Hello, and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. Uh, I'm Joe Devine, and today I was delighted to be joined by Ellie Mangum and Martino Simsic from Copper 90, um, who both participate in making the Derby Days series that you may have seen on YouTube. Um, it's on the Copper Stories channel, or its new home is the Copper Stories channel on YouTube. If you haven't seen any of the Derby Days episodes, essentially the thrust is that Ellie, as a presenter with a team of other people from Copper 90, including Martino, go uh, and travel to various um, big game derbies all across the world. So some of the more recent ones, the most recent one was the Lombardia derby, um, the one that's referenced in the episode quite a lot because I watched it again just before we started recording was um, the Berlin derby, so between Union and Hertha. Um, that episode is nearly an hour long or something, so I think the, the most recent series, they've been let off the leash a little bit in terms of the, the length of them and some of the other decision-making, so they're really long, they're really in-depth, they're really interesting. And as part of the episodes, the guys try to paint a picture of a city, explain why the derby is the way that it is, and talk about the history of the teams and the rivalry and the history of the city and the area as well. Um, and they're really fascinating. So if you are listening to today's episode and you haven't seen any uh, of the Derby Days videos, um, it may benefit your enjoyment of this episode to go and watch one or two um, before you listen. You don't need to, um, and it's explained what they are and... Um, we talk a lot about the process behind making them, which I think would be similar to um, other sorts of filmmaking as well. So it's not a requirement you don't need to have listened to, but um, they're fantastic. So if you haven't seen any anyway, I would encourage you uh, to rectify that. Um, and if you'd like to, then do so before you listen to today's episode. Um, so it was great to see Ellie and Martino. It was great to talk to them and learn lots about the process and, and about um, themselves and their lives as well. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. Um, this episode is supported by The Athletic, which is without doubt the best place to read about football online. You can go to theathletic.co.uk forward slash TIFO, get a seven day free trial and 50% off an annual subscription, which works out to be about £2.50 a month. It's so worth doing. Um, there's a, a lot of fantastic stuff on there to, um, to fill your day with if you'd like to. I mean, you could spend your entire day reading stuff and not run out of things. So yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Um, Anyway, that's all. So without further ado, here is today's episode. Right. I should do a podcast on this. <laughs> I got the guys from... Well, is it fair to call you the main two guys from Derby no, Days? What's, what's it fair Just to call guys. you? I Just two just... guys from Derby Days. Oh, no, from Copper 90. Yeah, yeah, but, but like... Are, Copa, we, obviously, are we already going? Yeah, we're going now, yeah. <laughs> Strong start, sorry. All of that stuff is included still. Um, <laughs> you no, know, I mean, okay, of... We all know you're from Copper 90, but uh, I want to talk about Derby Days today. Well, tell me how many people are in the team of the Derby Days team, because the films are ex really expansive, and uh, it seems like they must take a hell of a lot of people to make them, particularly the more recent ones that are so much longer. I'd say four. Is that all? Max five, yeah. If wow. that, it's, it, often it's two. <laughs> it's me and the cameraman right. at times. It's a skeleton it's crew. Yeah, it's, when, when it can be and when it... It depends on each derby, doesn't yeah. it? Argentina was up to nine at one stage. Right. A lot of local fixes. Yeah. It's I, I, it's usually myself, two cameramen, and a producer plus a fixer, or the producer-fixer roles combined. Right, okay. Or I'm the producer-fixer, and then 
we've got something else. It's, but it's it's usually four's the go-to. Yeah. Per se. Are you involved in all the episodes, Martina? Most of them. Yeah. yeah. What um, do you do? Certainly since this kind of longer form approach to Derby Days, I've been more involved. I mean, I think you have to kind of look at... So my role in Derby Days is fixer. Right. Fixer and kind of organizer. What do you mean when you say fixer? So generally trying Everything. to find <laughs> Everything. Uh, Ellie, the most interesting um, possible interviewees. Right. Helping him sort of develop the stories and plot lines that might be most interesting. Yeah. Um, and kind of who might pair up well with that, right? Because most of that research will come from him. Right. Um, and then it's kind of looking at locally on the ground where that works. Mm. And then the, a lot of um, practical stuff. So right. moving from location to location, how can we get all these separate monuments in, in the most efficient way in a day um, and actually physically getting us in and around those situations. Yeah. And then a ton of translating, obviously, because of the right. languages. I mean, I just, I spent like uh, this afternoon watching the Berlin one, which is ama amazing, by the way. It's really, really good. And um, there's a great bit. Uh, who does the editing? Is it the same person every I time? I edit. You edit? I edit with, along with another, right. there's like two editors. There's a senior editor and myself. I'm like the secondary editor. I love the editing. I love the pacing of it. I think it's great. Thank and you. I think like the attention to detail and the effort that you guys clearly go to to make every bit Better, you know, you watch a lot of documentaries or a lot of particularly YouTube videos, and it seems like the sort of lowest common denominator stuff, or you know, the easiest way to get the point across. But there's a great moment in the uh, in the Berlin episode, uh, which is focused around Herter and Union, where you talk about how one of your guests talks about how every train station looks different. And then there's like a 15 second cut where you have a, you know, you're like, you film, you've gone to, well, I don't know, 10, 15, yeah. 20 different that train was, stations. Was, uh, I had that already written before. I right. made Karim actually say that because uh, no one had said it yet, but I, I had, I mean, I've been to Berlin a few times. I already had that written in the script that I have certain things in my head that I know I want right. to involve the city. Usually I've been to the city beforehand or we go back again because I noticed something. For me, it's so important that every episode is different and you I just can't stand superlatives and cliches and I don't want to hear this is the biggest city. I want you to literally get these little nuanced bits where you're like, oh, that city's like, yeah. that's what makes that city different. Yeah. I also think he undersold himself as well with what he does. I mean, there's a lot of work you don't see from speaking with ultras, contacting ultras. I mean, there's a Berlin moment where we're filming where some Hertha ultras were kind of questioning what was going on. There's him who came over, explained it. And so that, there's that as well, which yeah. doesn't, uh, this man's black book and also just way of dealing with supporters. Because obviously I think what, what I'm proud of this is that we get to, if we don't contact or talk with supporters, then we're at least in their worlds to a way that no other camera crew can go. Yeah. That's because of the respect we um, kind of hold them in and the way we treat them and always make sure they're happy. Even the latest episode, Brescia, when you're watching Tobias's interview, two ultras came out of a kiosk to speak to us because they clocked it and there would have been trouble had we not had him to explain them before we knew it, we were drinking beers with them because they were yeah. like, oh, no, okay, you, you guys are like us. You get, you totally get what we're, we're doing. Right. So I think that that's a massive thing that Martina does that possibly no one in the world can do, especially since he speaks six languages. How how did you do this at the beginning then? Because presumably by now, if you go to a city, the ultras have seen your videos. They know who yeah. you are, right? So there's more acceptance. How did you manage that at the beginning? Uh, it, it was very different at the beginning. If you watch the original series, it's a very different series. I wasn't in charge. Um, we didn't have the fortune of having people know who we were, which got us into places. Uh, the one I always bring up is Bosnia. When we first went to yeah. Bosnia, for the most part, some ultras knew us, refused to talk, didn't want anything to do with us. A lot of ultras were suspicious, 
But then we went back to, I went back for another derby. We took a, a YouTuber for a different show and we couldn't bat people away because some people wanted to talk to us and we're so appreciative yeah. that we came. So as each episode gets bigger and better, it's kind of a cool cycle and people appreciate what we do and appreciate that we are on the side of the fans. We are only there to celebrate and document them and respect mm-hmm. all boundaries. More let you into more circles. If that makes sense. Yeah. So when you get in a better circle, it means you get to make a better film. When you get to make a better film, it gets more viral. And each time it just goes on and on and on to the point where now, you know, there was a moment even in the Berlin episode, just as the Hertha, Hertha fans, as I meant to say, come around the corner, one ultra came out of nowhere and stopped me. And I'm like, this is it. And he was like, respect. And I was like, cool. And he's like, don't film that. And we're like, deal. Or even yeah. one of the Hertha games we went to beforehand, those guys were looking at us and like giving up. You could just tell that we were not welcoming this. We were outside the stadium, but they just didn't like us. And Tino gave him a look. He gave him a look like a nod. And then Tino went over. I don't know what happened, but the next thing I know, we had shared numbers in a it all worked out. I mean, it's 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 about so much football media um, is focused negatively on fans. The assumption always when you have a camera walking around these grounds and you're trying to address supporters' issues is that you're doing, you're putting them in a bad light. Yeah. Right. Um, so there's there's the really important kind of gradual process of people understanding that Derby Days is always done with that right intention, that mm-hmm. right tradition. Um, the most recent one we just did in Italy. You know, the whole episode kind of centered around the fact that in the end, this the match wasn't attended by away fans, right? And the fact that we had developed a narrative um, with the supporters, helping them understand that, like, as much as this is a cultural show looking at this, the fact that all of that sort of building of culture is being taken away in this very moment is something that suits your narrative as well as ours. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and trying to find those moments when you can be... Um, in synthesis with with the supporter group that you're studying, mm. it, in the end, it goes to serve two functions. It yeah. goes to a educate people about this space or territory, or whatever, but it also allows those supporters to kind of reaffirm their identity and their traditions and what they're about, um, which is important for fan groups, right? It's something that there's that constant passing on things to new generations, and what does that mean? Right? Mm. And and the role of people like Ellie and I of of kind of going to these uh, terraces and these environments is being able to kind of highlight where those traditions are and where they're succeeding, you know, and, and, and what makes that then, what renders that then a club important, you know, particularly now in a time where everyone plays FIFA with six different clubs and is forgetting about everyone else in the world. So, like, despite you being in synthesis with them and obviously many of those guys having seen and respecting Derby Days and understanding what it is, uh, are you ever scared when you're filming? Have you had moments where you've thought, Actually, this isn't this isn't so cool. I think the, I prefer the term aware. Aware. <laughs> Until you realise you have to be scared. But right. I've I've told the stories enough times. There's been lots of moments where I've thought there's there's trouble here. But every time, through respect and communication, we've always been okay. And that every time, we've I've never, I've never, we've I've had people who it was very much more. Particularly in Hamburg, where it was, there was, they wanted trouble, and uh, I think it was just the almost unwavering respect I gave them. And my first, my first response is whenever anyone's has their reservations or even confrontational, is we're here, we're guests. Mm. We in no way are here to take advantage. What do you want from us? And often I'll be like, we don't want you here. Absolutely, I'm not even here to argue with you or try and that whole. We're just. I apologize, this is your space. We were here to make you guys look great. But if that's not what you want, we apologize and we'll leave now. 
by the way, we're here because we think you guys are fucking brilliant. You're amazing. We'll leave. And so that's that's always my go-to. It's never a, like a, we're allowed to be here. It's like, no, no, no. We are always guests and it's always a privilege to be in your space. These spaces have been made and cultivated over decades for your culture. It's not for us to be able to, we have no right to be there. That's my argument. I have no right to be anywhere, anywhere near any active supporter scene. And I'm only there with their permission or, or whatever. So if they're not, don't want us there, it's always a absolutely. What, what can we do to, what, what can we do to facilitate you and make sure there's no problems? Cause we, we, that, that, that's how I've always taken it. And I've worked with some people who haven't worked with us again, who have this, have, have had different opinions and trying to stick up and, you know, obviously, you know, pride's a big thing, but it's, for me, it's really important that people, you always respect. Being someone, being in somebody else's terrace in the middle of a match is no place to be proud. Yeah. Right? It's like, it's, it's their space. And <clears throat> there's so, there's so few reference points for supporters groups to see media that talks about their space and the space that they're cultivating and respect it as their space. Most of the time they are customers in this game that is football, right? Mm. The fact that the whole approach of Derby Days is this very deep cultural analysis of why they are the stakeholders of really what makes these club identities, these incredible things that then you're able to like sell off and make brand pitches to Adidas and stuff. For well, this is the thing, like pre presumably- but, like, It's that culture, it's that tangible, finite, irreplicable thing yeah. that the supporters groups and communities around them built. There's such little out there that's actually going out and celebrating that. Um, not with some sort of maybe financial interest or branding interest, mm -hmm. right? And and the fact that you know we have the luxury with Derby Days at Cup and to to be able to do that as as, as a purely editorial function, um, it's important. It's important, but it also do you it, mean because it doesn't need to make money? It doesn't need to make money, and thus and thus can be really about you know what this often subversive group of supporters or what this community which can express subversive opinions. Um, how that makes up, you know, what the, you know, the, the magic kind of pudding that makes that club special. Presumably like some of the hostility is as a result of, um, the, the depiction of those people as customers as well, right? The, the the way that football has changed over the last 20, yeah, 30 years, either presumably the, the territorial of customer side of it. Or the depiction of criminal or the depiction that somebody's there because they are trying to sell more shirts for some other brand and some other sponsor using the face and likeness of some person because you mm -hmm. ostensibly sign it all the way when you go to a stadium. Um, I mean, you can see how, yeah, I've, I've been here before to talk about why supporters are frustrated about that, right? And, and <laughs> gone on my tangent, so we don't need to do it again. Um, hyperlink in the bottom. But, um, you know, the Derby Days is a really, really, really important tool for, for establishing what that means and, mm -hmm. and, and building that relationship between fans and media. Yeah. Right? There's that, that constant no phone, no media, don't bring that sort of that thing into the space. Um, a big thing of Derby Days is kind of challenging that idea in a sense of, you know, is there a right way to do this? Is there a way to document the subculture in a way that is more celebratory mm. um, and not taking from them? Yeah, and in a way that doesn't, giving something, doesn't change giving something it, right? back to it. Like, is it, is it constructive? Making a TIFO is constructive. Um, you know, gathering and marching to the stadium is constructive. What can you do? that they're doing so much constructively to build the atmosphere and build the environment that is football. Mm -hmm. How can you continue to build on that rather than use that and sell it somewhere else or something? Yeah. Well, in that case, let's, let's, if you don't mind, let's go back to the beginning 
even before Derby Days, I'd like to ask you guys both about how you got started a little bit about your lives as well. Can I start with you, Martino? Where where do you where from where do you make birth? I don't understand. International I was born in Los Angeles. Right. My mother's from Milan mm-hmm. and I was raised uh, quite a few years of my life in Italy as well as the US. Um, studied sports sociology in university. Then worked with refugees and football programs in Italy for a while until starting a magazine in Montreal, Canada. Was, it, was that the TIFO magazine? TIFO magazine. Mm. And while launching that magazine, my friend who was making it with me ran into Ellie at an ice cream shop. Right. And the rest is history. You'll never meet me. If you ever know what city I mean, if you go to the local ice cream, ice cream <laughs> shop in that city, I'll turn up. I like it. And so you met Ellie before. You, were you already working yeah, for so Copernani at the time? Copen- I was on a Copernani job. We were halfway around the world. We were doing a show called Ellie for Brazil, where I was trying to get to Brazil for the pl- price of a plane ticket from London to Rio, right. essentially. And so I was going around the world through Europe, got a cheap flight from Oslo through to America and was driving through America, Central America. Pardon me. And so... um. Yeah, and then we were in New York. It's a great story, basically. I was my first time in New York in the middle of the end of May. It was really hot, on the, a week or two to go to the World Cup. And then I wanted to go see Chinatown Soccer t- Club play Gastown, which was like in some big event. And Gastown, I was obsessed with before I had my job at Copenhagen because Gastown was like this first kind of cultural blog about football that wasn't really about football. I missed it. I went to the local ice cream store. <laughs> With a friend to mourn, <laughs> and then to get Wi-Fi, there's a old English pub across the road. I tried to log on to, and then a guy had a guest town house. I was like, "Shit, are you guest town?" He's like, "Come drink with us." And then that was his magazine partner, right? And he's like, "Man, you need to meet this guy. He's just like you." <laughs> and then that was that night. And then we went and interviewed him um, for the show that was going around all the world. And then it was like we need to link up again. And took a while, took a few months. Yeah, post World Cup, but eventually. Got him on one about in Seattle. Yes, you did Torino first, or was Seattle first? Seattle first. Seattle first. I remember first. Seattle first, and then um, Seattle. Yeah, was it Derby days? Seattle? No, it was just a, no, it was just general like, Seattle. Yeah. Doc. God, Halloween time. Yeah, <laughs> can I get you to come a little bit closer? Yes, yeah, sorry. No worries. Halloween you can shift time. the table this way if you want. If you need a bit no, more no, space. No, 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 it's cool. That's cool. And then that was uh. So was it love at first sight? Yeah, I think it was love at first sight, and then it was hate at second, <laughs> love at third, and then just fucking mm. retribution. It was just, it, we, we, yeah, back, it's a love hate relationship. Right. It I mean, happens yeah, when you work in football. And you're, you're, we're both this passionate about something, right? Sure. It's like. My first fight in Seattle on that highway. We don't each other two days. Like, <laughs> what did you fight about? What do you we fight, fight about? We fight about everything. Everything? Everything. Well, like football stuff or just everything? Everything. Everything. I mean, what was your last fight? What was the last fight? He's having one right now. In another, in game, what was the last one. fight? <sighs> we sit next to each other as well. Often it's about yeah. his fucking rubbish. He left his rubbish on my desk today. But then oh, actually, the to be fair, it was actually on his part of the desk. But still, <laughs> stunk. <It's>, uh, <laughs> this is why Alex everything. doesn't come into the office very often. It's, the, it's Not the everything. Same. But just, were you in a tight space and you're very passionate about the subject, there's a mutual respect between the two that we've... I'll probably shed more beds with this guy or plane rides or dinner dates than anyone else I know. So mm, yeah. anyone else like but now it's been five years. So right. Five years and like sixty countries later. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Hey so can I let's go back to the beginning with you. From Australia? From Melbourne, Australia. How did you Almost. how did you end up here? Uh I got into football thanks to the two thousand two World Cup. I used to hate it. And then uh two thousand two World Cup came by which meant Australia got 
proper football at a proper time, 4 p.m. after school. Right. Before that, you know, you have to watch all international football and European football three in the morning. Is that why you hated it? No, 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 no. I hated it because I was kind of, my brain had been contaminated with the same crap every other Australian gets where you're told it's a, Australia used to, and it's changed a lot since. Right. Had a very racist, misogynistic, homophobic view on football. It's well documented. I've done a documentary about it. Right. What, was, what, do, what do you mean? That the, the view was yeah, those things or the, so the, the view of football was that they were? I always bring it up. If you want to you know about Australian football, our best-selling book by our kind of hero is a guy called Johnny Warren. He was our captain in 1974 World Cup. Mm-hmm. He fought for football in Australia. He called his book, book Sheila's Wogs and Pufters because that's what the sport was considered. That's who it was for. So Sheila's right. Wogs. Pufters, you can look them up if you want to know the meaning of those words. That's essentially what it was, but he took great pride in the fact that that the sport was for those people. His his kind of counter argument was, yeah, it is for them, those people, and it's for everyone else in between. That's what makes this sport so special. Sport in Australia is very divided by class. It's divided by state. There's little sports that are named after this. AFL, many people may have heard of it, started in the state of Victoria. used to be called Victorian football. Right. Cricket is for kind of everyone. Rugby unions for the posh people. Rugby leagues for the working class of the east and northeast. No one even knows the rules anywhere else in the country. It's it's fascinating Australia as a, right. as, as a did it, did Australia inherit that from Britain? Because some of yeah, those things sound it's similar. Weird. It, it, we did, but then again, I, 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 it's fascinating. It's like a lot of countries. It's like how did you know a sport that's obsessed, created by England, mm. loved and adored by England, like no other sport? Australia is basically made up of obviously. Spectale, our indigenous people, it's their land. But since the English came, it's been made up primarily of Southeast Asian communities who are obsessed with football, primarily Vietnamese, and communities from post-war Europe, Italy, Mm -hmm. Greece. Melbourne's got the biggest Greek community outside of Greece. Huge Italian community, huge uh, Balkan community, huge Lebanese community, all communities that are obsessed with football back in their motherlands. And for some reason... It just I think it's due to the nature and the patronizing, misogynistic, again, toxic, masculine ideals of sport in Australia that football is a game for shit as orcs and poofters. A lot of people... What's the game for men, as they would see it then? What, rugby Aussie or rules. Aussie rules? Uh, Aussie, Aussie rules or Aussie rules, rugby or uh, the most ironic one is cricket. Right. Again, I actually don't mind cricket, but yeah. every argument against used against football can be used against cricket. But for some reason, cricket's just seen as kind of the quintessential Australian pastime when right. it should be football and it's slowly changing. It really is. Um, but anyway, going back to it. So I grew up on AFL. I come from a very AFL strong background, but I was always obsessed with the world and the globe and traveling the world. And it wasn't until that World Cup and the kids I kind of saw as cool because one was Greek and one was Ukrainian running home to watch games. I was like, you guys are cool. Why, you, why would you watch that sport? You know, right. that's mad. And then I watched one game. Is that my phone or your phone? It's freaking me out. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I, was, I was saying, I always go back to like, I remember just the Uruguay, Denmark, Senegal, Sweden, all these countries I'd never heard of, like mm. literally didn't even know existed. And I, they're being played in sold out stadiums in Korea. Slow obsession. And there's the Ronaldinho goal against England in Korea. And I always say it's a Brazilian playing for a team in France against a bunch of English in a sold out stadium in Korea. And I'm watching it with my Greek friend and it's like the whole world in this one little... <sighs> This moment, and then from that day, that was it. And I was like, "This, this, this is the answer to." I think that's, I that's something Ellie and I always think about, though, which is that, like, in the office of Copa ninety, we're 
probably two of the only people who don't come from England. Certainly the only two people who come from non-football priority nations. Right? Yeah. Like I grew up largely in Los Angeles as a kid. Most of my schooling in Los Angeles. Well, mostly in Australia, right? This this kind of this battle of proving your interest in football and kind of what that means within that community, right? And like that forcing and forging your way into understanding football cultures and communities in that different way because you're always removed from them, but you're always kind of part of them because everyone is in this kind of multicultural space of these international cities trying to experience football, not having a real genuine thing to go after, right? Like I, mm. yeah, sure, I went to the first Galaxy game. <laughs> Thankfully, I had AC Milan and this genuine connection. My cousins and my family would go visit and I could go to games. And so that yeah. sort of cultivated a genuine relationship with the sport or sort of a more organic relationship with the sport. But... um that's large, I think in a big way that, that comes to explain why we're kind of so obsessed with telling football as these very cultural things. Because you sort of come from the outside. There's yeah. an outsider's there's a, there's an outsider's perspective to it that we share. Not that there's really an outsider football, I guess, but in terms of, you know, well, I always love as, when as alien as you can be to it. Right. People always ask me, What's your club? Often you people at the office and I go, Don't really have a club and they're like, Well, how can how can you be a football fan and not have a club? I'm like, if anything that makes you more of a football fan because you're you're kind of not you're not kind of enclosed by this space of like, I support yeah. Chelsea. So my whole prism of football yeah. comes through Chelsea. And then I, oh, that's interesting as well. You often find it with Arsenal fans, like their whole world. I remember watching World Cup final with them. They were talking about who could come play for Arsenal. I'm like, this is the World Cup final. Why does it have to be about Arsenal in this yeah. moment? So many people watch through a prism where I came in as like, I don't have a club. I'm fascinated by how fascinated other people are with their clubs. And Tino, obviously, he's an AC Milan fan. I can guarantee you, he's really just a fan of of the of the game in general. Not even, I don't mean the sport. I mean the culture. And we're both kind of, mm. I feel, coming in obsessed with the culture. I mean, we're shit at football. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even talking about playing. Yes, I am. But that's not the point anyway. Like, I know plenty of people who are good at football, but they still don't love football for the reasons yeah. we do. They, it's because of their club. A lot of people love a club or a league or a division, and that's just not what I'm into. I've just, just never been. And if and I and I think that's because I feel so strongly about the game as a whole, as opposed to a club. Like I said, if, you, if most people watching this right now think about their first memories, probably their dad or their mum or their cousin or their uncle or their auntie, have taken to a game and then this that game and that club and those colours and that stadium have become their the nostalgia of their childhood and their teenage years and that cup run or that promotion or relegation or title win. And then that's really manifested the love of the game and they fell into love other stuff. And they appreciate also another classic player that may not have played for that club. Whereas I'm just like, and I think Tina for the most part as well, is just like love all of it and none of it's really for me. I just enjoy celebrating other people. Yeah. Enjoy basking in the way it makes other people, basking in it, critiquing it, celebrating it. There's a whole bunch. Like I often think it's absolutely ridiculous what football does to people and also how much it distracts us from what we should really be focusing on in the world right now. Sure. Also, I'm getting older as well. I'm not realizing it's actually fucking depressing how much it distracts people from what they should really be worried about mm. and how seriously they take transfer windows and uh, transfer, I don't know what else, transfer players, sure. titles, promotion, yeah. relegations, board members, throwing, attacking board members out. What is it? Ed Woodward, right? Oh, it's just embarrassing. Yeah. Like that guy's a dickhead, but like, what are you doing, man? Like yeah. Manchester's got a massive problem with homelessness right now and Spice and you're out there throwing flares at 
Well, well, on the fact that you funded a club called FC United of Manchester yeah, that, 10 go, years go, ago. So yeah, if you're really go, that upset, that. just walk down the street, mate. There's a really yeah. lovely football experience waiting for you for almost no money. Or go, go, go help the homeless. Like Manchester needs all the kind of help it can get right now. And that's what you should be doing. Not, But again, at the same time, I'm also fascinated by people for that strongly. Or that they're brainwashed yeah, by the media. Manchester and like Manchester's desire to always be like the best and the most rugged and the idea of slipping down to FC United of Manchester versus like this great pride that the city has for like their establishing of the Industrial Revolution. Like just the idea of why you might switch or what that is. That's fascinating, but also mm. weird. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think it's interesting also what you're saying about um, about clubs. I don't really have a club either. I flip between a few different ones depending. I mean, my family has a couple of different clubs in it, but people ask me on Twitter all the time who I support. And when I say I don't, don't really have a team, I get a very strange reaction. I also feel like it's a way of people trying to, maybe not, uh, if it might be cynical to say, trying to pigeonhole you, but trying to understand you. So uh, these questions like who do you support tend to come yeah. after you've said something. And then they want, they, as long as you, you make a statement about football and they say, well, who do you support? You say, well, I support this team. They go, fine, now I understand what you're saying. This is why you think this. This says everything about yeah. you. It's, uh, it's a way. That can, that can be the case. There is a type of, yeah. But then, yeah, that works a lot. But then often it doesn't work, you know. Yeah. Certain people go for something like, oh, you really go for them? And they're nothing like that, the fan base that you kind of attach to. Them. Right, yeah, yeah to them but then you kind of go oh okay there's exceptions to rules I guess but then there's often people who say I'm from here but I go for this person and you're like oh yeah I know the time <laughs> it's, a, it's a lens through which people you know yeah. understand the world it's, it's a strange thing just a quick break in today's episode for me to tell you about a few new podcasts that are being released by The Athletic or have been released by The Athletic I should say the first is 5000 to 1 but Leicester City, the Athletics' Rob Tanner is joined by club legend Matt Elliott to bring you a weekly podcast dedicated to Leicester City Football Club. Subscribe for expert insight, breaking news and big name guests. Another new episode or another new series, sorry, is Why Always Us? The Athletics' Sam Lee joins David Mooney to bring you expert insight into the goings-on in the blue half of Manchester every single week. It's very exciting. I mean, there's a bunch here. There's Talk of the Devils, which is United, Pod on the Tyne, uh, Newcastle, On the Ball, Norwich City, View from the Lane, Tottenham. Another new one is From the Rookery End, which is a Watford FC podcast hosted by John, Jason and Mike, lifelong Watford fans, season ticket holders in the Rookery End. And since 2010, these podcasts are their take on life as a Watford fan. So that is a newly released from The Athletic. Um, the Molyneux View as well is about Wolves and UIN's about West Ham. The good news is that all of these podcasts are <clears throat> free to subscribe to. You do not need to be a, um, a subscriber of The Athletic to listen to the podcasts. So I would encourage you, um, whatever you do after today's little read, to go and do that for your, um, for your club of choice. But I would also encourage you to become a subscriber. It's very affordable. It's about £2.50 per month. There is um, an insane amount of um, excellent, high-quality, ad-free, um, football-based editorial to read. And the app is really accessible and, and really um, 
yeah, it's really fantastic. So it's well worth doing. Um, if you would like to do that with our link today, you can get a seven day free trial to see if you like it, which I would highly encourage. Um, and also uh, you get 50% off um, an annual subscription if you choose to sign up, which works out to be about £2.50 a month or 8p a day. Um, so please do go check it out. That is theathletic.co.uk forward slash TIFO theathletic.co.uk forward slash TIFO for a seven day free trial and 50% off your annual subscription. It's really worthwhile. Anyway, thanks for listening and back to today's, uh, today's episode. So how did you get started with, with COVID-19? So I entered a competition for the 2013 Confederations Cup. They were looking for a new presenter and I'd been in a similar competition for the 2010 South Africa World Cup in which I'd come second and I vowed I would not come second again. So I basically spent a shitload. Can I swear? Yeah. Spent a shitload on um, this video. I quit my job. I dropped uni, made this video. I won the video, got to go to Brazil. Right. Um, it's a good job you won, hey? That could have been a very different yeah, life. Yeah, I kind of just knew, like, it turns out that I'd been hinting the whole time. Like, I just, I just knew I was going to, I I knew I was going to, sometimes you just know you're going to, you're meant to do certain things. I was like, I'm, there's no way they're taking this off of me. Sure. Like I, so I just fucking, I, I was very strategic. I only dropped the video on the last hour of the last day, so no one, people would be making these videos and then I just went out and spent about four grand and <laughs> like just went all out. I was like, I'm awesome. not And then I realised that I was like a, I, I thought I'd just win and then I went into a final three and whoever got the most views. But the day, you had a week to get the most views, but that day I was flying out to Tokyo to support Australia in the World Cup qualifiers. And I had a Skype with the guys at Copenhagen and said, listen, I've, I, I, I'm not going to be able to get promote my video. I'm going to be in Japan yeah. for the first time ever with my mates and our holiday. We've been, again, we've been talking about for the first six months. Turns out the second I'd already said that, they were like, this guy's won it. Like he's, turns out I was going to win no matter what right. because they were going to let me go even if I didn't win with the other person. But I won, went to Brazil for five weeks, hosted a show, and then the audience were like, yeah, get this guy in. I just knew because like I said, I... My whole angle in the video is like, do you see players on my wall? No, there's fans and everyone, I'd take the piss out of it as well. But the point is like, I just didn't know anyone like me who was just like, didn't really care about a team or players or didn't really watch the sport, but just wanted to use the sport as an avenue to learn about other cultures and mm-hmm. and how the rest of the world is. Yeah. So therefore that was my whole kind of angle. And it won me that job in Confederations Cup. That was a one-off. And then Copper said, do you want to come and, it's funny, you talk about Derby Days. Derby Days was lined up for another presenter who's doing another show on Copanani. And I was like, arguing, no, no, that show, I have to do that show. <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, it's already been given to someone else. So, And I was like, I kind of just was smart about it. I just kept bringing up, well, if you go, you should go do Park, Saloniki, and you should make sure you go do, you know, right. Exeter versus Plymouth. And they were just like, you oh, slid you know, in very slowly. I was just saying, like saying yeah, these ones yeah. that they had all the cliched ones. And I was like, make sure you do this. And it didn't take me long to realize, even in the office, I knew more than most people about football culture. Right. How office. did the other presenter feel? Uh, you know what? Maybe he didn't like it, but I think <laughs> five years later, I mean, like how hard I've worked on it. And it's, everyone, a lot of people were upset because I kind of, he was quite popular <laughs> on the channel, but it is what it is. Like, it, again, after half a decade with it, you just have to like get comfortable that, you know, you put in the work and effort to justify it. It's always nice to see a couple of comments like, I didn't vote for Elliot during that competition, but I get why he won. So <laughs> I'm not, like I said, I'm not very good at much. So the one thing I'm good <laughs> at is making football films. So I'm kind of like proud of it now and I'm just like, own it. 
So whose idea was Derby Days then? I mean, it has it a long time. Someone in the ago, office. So, I yeah. think it was my creative director. But again, I mean, Derby shows have been done for since the beginning. Yeah, of time. I mean, so the, the, Danny the Dyer. classic. Whenever we go anywhere, right, is Danny Dyer, mm-hmm. and it's and it's how does that sort of compare? That was the standard, and someone, how does, how and does someone needed to do an updated version. I mean, Danny Dyer. No, it's very in the years though. in the years since working with these different supporters groups, I have found out very funny things about Danny Dyer's show. Like Galatasaray <laughs> supporters have told me that they were paid to bring kebab knives. Oh wow! Or um, okay. Red Star Belgrade to- supporters told me that they put them. They basically sent like the five mates who have like mental or like kind of mentally challenged. Like, sure. Then like mental issues, they basically sent the craziest five mates as a joke to hang out with Danny Dyer, <laughs> right. and they still see the are like the, sure? the episode as like a running joke. I'm de- Again, I'm, these are things. I'm detaching myself. From these are comments. things you hear while trying to organize things for else. I mean, the, these are, these are the, rumors. How much is it? People yeah, saving yeah, face sure. in in post. How much yeah. is it? None of these are substantial. The reality. Um, and I would he's, never a, he's a very talented man. We don't want to question any a, any Serbian cultures <laughs> or what they do. Let's let's be smart about this. It certainly left a rippling impact on our ability to do things like Derby Days. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and like a skepticism. Right, right. Because people are skeptical because of how we've been done before. How much of a caricature. Yeah. yeah, but people also love him. Like people always bring it up to me as well. And many trips, people will be like, ah, "Danny Dyer," and I'm like, "No." <laughs> but well, I love that show as well. Like, I, I lo- you love your love for what it is, man. I still He's your trailblazer, great. basically, Danny oh. Dyer. You're kind of following in Danny Dyer's footsteps a little bit. But there's been people before that. BBC have done <laughs> an amazing. BBC have done an amazing series on it back in the what, late '90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, Vice have done some decent episodes. Um, on rivalries in general, the Algeria one's awesome. Algeria one was cool. The I, I, I before I did Boca River, Vice set the standard for the Boca River one. They were there for the best. The pepper spray. Yeah, like I could uh, be in the in in that garage with I can't even pronounce his name, Rafael. Uh, Rafa Dizel. Dizel. So like, it's just like I. There's been other great ones, but we're not the only ones, and it's not a unique idea. No, sure. I just think. Um, it's grown into something. It's grown into something. It's grown into like I took over it in 2015, starting with Madrid, and it decided when I take over, I don't want it really to be about even the rivalries of the clubs, but about the places we're going to and mm-hmm. just trying to understand that. And I think that's what makes me proud. Is every time you watch it, you'd be like, oh, wait, they're like that? They're like, yeah. You know, best example is Brescia, Bergamo. We actually meant to do Malaysia, Indonesia, but because of timing, we just couldn't make it down there. And I was like, do we do you know, we'd done two great ones and we needed a third great one. It was Atalanta, Brescia, but what, and it was like, the rivalry is good, but what makes these plates unique? And we had a, we, when you talk about our arguments, we had a two week argument about like, but why does it, why am I, how do I describe this place to people? I don't want to just be like, here's two towns. Like, what mm-hmm. is this? And then we, we worked and I just was over like a coffee and a cigarette. And he was like, basically they built Milan. Like that, that's what they're famous for. They built in Milan. If you go to Milan, so much, I'm like, wait, what's that? How and it's like oh well they they're known for being construction workers it's part of their culture hard working and I'm like oh this this works okay well both provinces I spoke to a friend of mine she's from the area she confirmed that and then I was like okay we've got a narrative here folk because every episode is kind of like here's what you think about a place mm-hmm. actually it's like this and it, and it, nothing's an exclusive truth even what we're saying there's parts of generalizations and sure. I hope people always take it with a grain of salt but it's like it's what it's known for and it's mm-hmm. hopefully when you meet someone from Bergamo or Brescia you'll, you'll be able to say hey Muratore or hey you guys have got custom ch-. I, that's what all I want I want people to just mm-hmm. be like and I want I want people from smaller clubs to feel like the rest of the world cares about them and that their story is important like my favourite bit of Atalanta Bergamo oh, there's a lot it's like 
Like we were trying to find what is Brescia, how do we make Brescia? Because Atalanta is like, you know, it's one of the only clubs named after a Greek god, let alone Italian clubs. And it's like so unique, their atmosphere and that's saying, we don't go to the stadium, we go to Atalanta. And we're struggling with Brescia because it is a great club. It's a beautiful club and the fans are great. But we're like, what, what, like, we'd, I'd been the script three times like, and it wasn't until we got there and everyone kept talking about Lavu and the V. And I was, and like, we looked in the stadium and the V was everywhere. And I was like, that's what, that's what means a lot to them, the V. Like it, mm. it means a lot, the V. And it's like, it might not be a trophy. It may, might not be a, a world-class player. They've had them as well. But that's what, mm. when you go to Brescia, it's about the V. Yeah. When you go to Atlanta, it's about La Dea. When you go to Union, it's about the fact that we built the stadium and we're not trying to be the best. When you go to Hertha, uh, it's about, it's even that chant, ha ho hey, hurt to be a C. Mm-hmm. That means a lot to them that you know that chant or that they're the old ladies because of their, their name Herta is an old traditional name. Just little things like that where it's like, that's what makes you special. I don't, I'm, I'm a big believer. I do not believe winning or trophies really mean anything. I think it's identities about so much more than that. And that's what makes the video so interesting, man. I mean, I lo- you know, I love the fact that the first 15, 20 minutes of the Berlin video is just about the history of Berlin. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, barely mentioned football and it's like, that's yeah. amazing well, to me. I you, think that's great. You, you talked about it earlier with, and like, this is where like, I have to give Ali huge credit. Like you talked about it earlier with taking a group of people into these ultras environments. Oftentimes I am the phone call that they have back to. So you have to really trust that somebody is more meticulous and more obsessed with perfection and more caring about the story than even I am with my like potential safety on the line in being in contact with these people. And like you mentioned earlier, the thing of the stations, but like whether it's the thing of the stations, whether it's finding 12 different clubs across Berlin, whether it's profiling every freak you can find on the street. And that means like 120 different weird looking people in Berlin that Ellie's <laughs> making me chase after down a block. Whether that's like going to ha- find 15 different iterations of the Casoncello, stopping every man, woman and child in Brescia who has some semblance of a V on them. Right? Like, that hyper intense attention to detail that he's doing everything with mm. and like really wanting to uncover and like the, the source of so many of our arguments, right? Is Martino, is this really true? How true is this? How much are you over embellishing this thing? Cause it's like a nice flowery narrative. Sure. Right. Um, and that's really what makes it work. Right. For so much of it is, is, is kind of this like romance and fantasy about football intertwined with, someone as meticulous and Ellie and was like intense about really getting it right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's about, and, yeah. And the fact that we go through the effort for it, you know, we go to, we were in Brescia and Bergamo. It was not easy to drive from Brescia to Como to Monza yeah. to Milan. And that that's a day and a half of your shooting. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and you're, how long are you there? How for? much did we mention Monza Como Leco? Watch the film. Yeah. Like we stopped using shots about it after 45 seconds. Yeah. So Monza, we lost Mo- a, a 10th of our time working yeah. on yeah, it. So we spent a day and a half in Monza and Como because they're two provinces, they're two, uh, they're two provinces within the region that we were using to describe how it's glamorous. So what, what I'm really proud of is I don't think people even recognize the stuff like that. Like, we went to Como and we went to Monza to talk about the fancy lake and the fancy yeah. F1 circuit. Yeah. And that's just to give context. Now, most yeah. people will just say it and you then you cut it. It's oh, like, yeah. no, no, we have to go. Yeah. And we went in a Fiat Panda. Or Panda. Or not. Yeah. Five <laughs> of us plus crew plus driver squished in. Yeah. Honestly, when we got out at Como and what we had to be there at, we, we left, it was dark when we left 5 a.m., 5.30 right. to get to Como, then to 
Monza. Monza and then to Milan and get those three places. Hampshire episode, the first Hampshire episode, we went to Winchester twice just to make sure we could get as much of Winchester and just talk about why it's considered posh, but show. And then obviously Berlin, Jesus Christ. Mm. After the game, we were out, our cameraman, Josh, to tell you, almost get, we, he got basically beat up outside a nightclub. We survived the ultras because I wanted to film the nightclubs and, <laughs> and make sure that we cover like the nightclub scene. And yeah. I mean, you don't even see one of the strange guys who, when we say Berlin's full of all different types of people, you know, one guy was like, no, you can't film me. And I was like, I'll give you 10 euros. No, five years, no, 10 years, no, 20 years. Like, you give me 20 euros just to get a shot of me. I'm like, I'll give you 20 euros. Which guy? Uh, I hope he made the final cut. Yeah, of course he yeah, did. Yeah, He's yeah. great. What's, what's his, how do you describe him? He's wearing a sheriff's suit with a red tie. He's like Turkish with a thing. And he just goes, oh, hold my fucking head a blunt. Hold this. <laughs> uh, get the shot. And he just walks up with the camera like this. Yeah, And he couldn't believe when I gave him the 20 euros. I'm like, that's worth 20 euros for me. Like, There was the other Turkish man you bought his lunch. Did he make the edit? Which one was that? On the very last day, we were like leaving for the airport and you were like ran back and you're like, no, I need to buy this man's lunch so he yeah, can yeah, afford yeah. film. He was Syrian, he was Syrian. <laughs> but like for me, that's really important that like you get what you're talking about as well. You need a visual yeah. representation and like I will, I don't care about how much it costs. I don't care about whatever it is, like how long it takes the detour. If it's important to the story because it's so easy to say things, I want there to be proof. I want you to see what Como looks like. Mm. I want you to see that we've gone to these F1 tracks and we've, pardon me, We've gone to find out just, uh, yeah, I really want, yeah, because it's a privilege what we do. It's a fucking privilege. It's ridiculous. Yeah, we have the we best hard. jobs ever. Yes, right, but like, it's also like a responsibility to be like, okay, if I always think like if I was watching this show, I want you to, I want to see that you really went to the effort to, so when I watch a thing about Bergamo and Brescia and the first 10 minutes are in Como Monzo in Milan, I'm like, wait, hold on, is this about Bergamo? Oh, they've got, that's like, wow, they they had to have gone there. That's them in front of the signs. Mm. And that's what I, I'm proud of. It's like, you see that we really went to the effort to find out if it's to find out about information, and actually go there and find out, not just tell yeah. you, I read about this on Wikipedia. This That's, that's great, man. And that, the thing is like, that comes across in the, in the videos really well. This is said I mentioned at the beginning about the signs thing to me. Uh, and I don't have a lot of filmmaking experience, but watching that, it's it's quite clear that you can see these guys literally went to yep. this number of train stations. You don't need, you know, they didn't need to do that. <laughs> yeah, and it's, and it's, made, it's made the film, for me, like 100% better, but probably for most viewers, it's made it like 1% better, maybe. Yeah, but if you have that 100 times over in the film. Like we went back to Berlin like a little bit like we went back I blew the budget so we had to go back on my own money but I was like I had to get a shot of the the, the what was it the the, the the meatball the bouletta I had to get because often during the edit because I do the edit you do so many interviews you get so much information yeah, thrown yeah. at you that you don't remember everything and it's only during the edit you're like oh what like shit yeah uh, techno started because of the um, the squats and they brought those guys in from Detroit at Hard Wax Records and I was like why didn't we go to Hard Wax yeah, why did yeah, I think yeah. of that and it's like there's so much going on. So we went back. I had a list of things we have to get of what they're talking about because I don't want to just tell reshoots. you what I want to show you. I want you, every time you're like, Oh, whoa, where am I yeah, going? Yeah. I know it's a lot to the eye, but it like, gives it scale though. And it makes it, it makes yeah. it feel cared for and considered. And, and I think it's really important. And, and, the, and the, the other thing is like when, when you're trying to promote this message of like, go out, experience football, be in the active supporter scene, go out to the, to the games, like be an active fan mm -hmm. and enjoy that experience. Like, do you need to kind of express that yeah. in, in the way you're kind of living it and producing it, which yeah. means like actually going to every bit and every corner of it. Right? And at, yeah. at the end of the day, it's, it's again, like go back to that privilege. It's not 
very few of us can afford to go out to these places and see these things. So for me, it's almost an obligation to show you this food and, and if you get to see it in a, with a nice camera angle and a nice shot. So like seeing what a bullet actually is and seeing mm. castroncelli on a plate and seeing medieval stuff. It's just like, I don't, you know, you, most of us can't afford to go and do that. So it's like, if this show can take me to these places, then it's a really cool thing. Is it normally the same camera guy you have? Uh, switches between a couple. <laughs> Who are this they? This series, uh, they're often freelance because not many people at the right. office work with me anymore. Okay. Hey, they're great. Who are they? The audience benefits. So, um, mm. <laughs> no, it's... Uh, it's um, it's uh, because uh, it's such random times. Often it's a call. Hey, I need you. Can you come to Italy for ten days? Mm-hmm. It'll probably be dangerous, and it'll be sunrise to past a lot, sunset. A lot of time in a Fiat Panda. In a, yep. yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of time in a crunch car, and it's mm-hmm. always over fifteen hours sure. of a day. So the, small, you want small guys, yeah, yeah. who uh, <laughs> don't sleep very much, and uh, yeah, with us. Um, no, but do like, what they're told. So Tom Price was our main uh, camera. He used to work Cobb and I even before us, right? And he went out and did his own thing, and we love him. We work really well together not many people like I said work with me so he get, he puts up with my shit but he also gets <laughs> why don't people work with you because again like I, are you a secret I, asshole the, 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 I'm, I'm happy to say I'm an asshole I, I'm not like out here doing this I, I the one thing I learned in the media game is like being a nice guy like you can be a nice guy and make okay stuff or you can it's an asshole with context like I'm an asshole in right. like that on match day like like don't fuck around we're here to get shots right. it's a privilege for us to be here so it's 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 in aid of the creative endeavour that you're an asshole yeah, but it's like, it's like no, I'm not. I don't think it's that I'm an asshole. Like, <laughs> Sorry, we were calling well, you. I don't care. Like, no, no, that's, I, I, like I've learned. Like I've kind of just come to accept it. Like there's been times I'm like, oh, I could be a nice guy, but then I, I look at what nice guys make, and I'm like, I'm not up for that. Like I'm the second the thing goes down, like it's like drink, do whatever you want, and he can vouch for that. Last trip, best. It's like I don't give a shit. Go do your thing. Mm-hmm. Just like when we work, we have to work, and right. a lot of nice people I find are like, oh yeah, if we get the shot, I'm happy with that. A lot of people won't. Fly back to Berlin on their own money, pay oh, it. I mean, cameraman more can pay a cameraman freelance themselves and pay for everything <laughs> to get the shot for the audience. I'm doing yeah, it. Yeah, I'm yeah, an asshole yeah. for the audience. And it's like, no, it's I, think that's good. And no I, I think that's good. I think it's like this whole thing of like, sure. everyone's gone on about being nice and stuff. It's like, you're, an not, Ed, you're an Ed Norton kind of asshole, all for the art, right? All for the art. And again, it's not like calling people names and stuff. Like, people sure. will be like, he's an asshole because he's asked me to get the shot again. He's you're an intense. asshole because, yeah, mm-hmm. intense. Though. You're intense. Okay, you're intense. intense. It's, it's, We've been saying asshole for five minutes. We mean intense. I mean, it, 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 it can come, it <laughs> it can come off as abrasive. It's yeah. shit. But I could, you know I could, what I mean? I could, he, he can be I'd a be, little fucker sometimes. But that's the thing, I'm trying to it's worth it. Again, like, the, the, the meticulousness sure. of all this is worth it. Yeah. Like, caring about how these people will react and how these communities will see it like it's completely justified um, the best anecdote I can give you okay about mm-hmm. how impressively intense Ellie can be on these shoots oh, is good. we were staying in a hotel in Berlin after 10 days of the shoot in the hotel in Berlin which every morning Ellie's like got us down we're running through scripts have you loaded the footage Tino what are the numbers we have to call today bop bop like he's really taking on a little piece of German organization, you know what I mean? Taking one from the local population. And the hotel manager at the end of our trip wrote Ellie a personal note being like, Eliov, I'm a big fan of Derby Days. I never understood and realized all the work you put in behind this. Like, congratulations, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Right? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's if, if, if you spend 10 days kind of watching it, it's it's a really heavy, intense yeah. process. But like, to the point where hotel it? concierges notice it. Right, yeah. 
<laughs> it's their job to notice things, but yeah. Okay. yeah. No, I agree. You may have noticed us um, making some unusual noises in today's episode. The, uh, the clinking of little cans and bottles and the, uh, the sound of combustion as a carbonated product is opened. Apologies for that if it's uh, had an impact on listening to today's episode. We very much enjoyed it. And the reason for that is because we were tucking into a box of beers from Beer 52. If you like beer, do you like free beer? Yes. Yes, you probably will like free beer if you like beer. Hey, you guessed it. Free beer. Yeah, you guessed it because I already said it. That's right. This is confusing, isn't it? Are you confused? You should be, because I haven't made this clear. But thanks to our good pals at Beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious and painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to Beer52.com forward slash TIFO and cover just the postage of £4.95. And if that wasn't enough, as a listener of TIFO, you'll get two extra free beers. Two, eight, ten. That means you'll have ten. That's ten in total. Ten free beers. Beer 52 traversed the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries planet Earth has to offer. Each month, Beer 52 delivers a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California... New Zealand, and many more. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave at any time. The power is in your hands. So, go to beer52.com, that's beer, and then the numbers 52.com forward slash TIFO to get your case free. And don't forget that TIFO listeners get two extra free beers. The terms and conditions are that there's only one per household, it's new customers only, and it's part of a monthly subscription with no minimum commitment. If you choose to stay, you will be delivered 10 craft beers and ferment magazine and a snack with free delivery for £29. But you can cancel before that, should you wish to. Thank you for listening, and uh, hope you're enjoying today's episode. Hey, Beer52, thanks guys. Uh, can I ask you about the process then? Because as we as we have discussed, obviously, clearly, loads goes into it. Um, when you were talking at the beginning, you mentioned that you have ideas before. Uh, obviously, yeah. there's planning involved, but I didn't expect you to say that the stadium, that the train station thing, had been considered before that, that. Your guest said it on camera. So, what is the process like from the beginning, the first day you decide where you're going? What do you What do you do? Well, what first, are the things first happening? First, it's trying. Well, I think we have to go back. Because it changes with because it changes right. So like first to contextualize like company to try and break it down. Sure. Derby days has been somewhat seasonal. Mm-hmm. So there's like the first two seasons, which consist of fifteen episodes, I guess. Right. Um, what, what season are you on now? I'd say this is the last thing five. was season five. Season five. Okay. I think if you to talk about the first two seasons, people will notice it. People say it like because the people say you need to go back and do them again, so like you do them now. One is. Season one was great, and there's, there's great episodes in there. They just we wouldn't have the budgets, we didn't have the time, we right. didn't have uh, the cur- just, like the, the realization have, yeah, that you could like that. And I, the experience, I, right? I didn't work as hard either. I didn't put in the effort. I didn't know I could. They didn't know I could, and it was just like it was run by different. When me and Martina started like really running them was from Madrid, mm-hmm. which I always say is like the start of season three, which is like the Spanish series, and then that was like the first one that went over twelve minutes. That went to nineteen minutes. 
And then the next one, the Spanish ones, I pushed when people weren't looking. I pushed them to 22. They to benefit from it though, right? They I do, mean, the long run is They do, but... So much better. But, but no, it's, but it's common sense doesn't always apply. The process is pulling teeth. <laughs> yeah, just trust me. Let's not go there. Um, the point is now it's been trusted. It's been trusted too, and we're given a lot of trust and it's really appreciative and we don't always have do you got that. a cap have you, you're not allowed to go for an hour no Are but I wouldn't want, want to no. I wouldn't want to I, do, I even don't think they always need to go 57 I don't think Italy had to the last one but because of what had happened with the ultras it yeah. was that extra 10 minutes <clears throat> I, w- I don't want to go long for long sake but I don't want to go short for short sake either like mm-hmm. I think people now know especially after Italy because I didn't think Italy would do as well as it has you know again 100k in 48 hours it's insane mm-hmm. for uh, an hour long video on YouTube video like, two long, small yeah. clubs um, small clubs and context but, but so the length is dictated by the content right I don't even know anymore man right. <laughs> to they, be honest they're getting longer one thing that's not been nice is that since we do it on YouTube there is no requirement yeah. there's not you cutting three minutes off to yeah, you can yeah. make space for commercials or something like yeah. that right and there's a lot of negotiating with Kedrick and that, but, that's that's good because often I you know I get quite greedy with but going back to like the process so we had Spain Oh yeah, so going back to Spain. Well, Spain's an exception; it was the first. But like going before, after that, it's often like I've got this magazine archive I call where basically I've got every single magazine from 2009, and I I've electronically logged every subject matter every month from World Soccer to Mundial to 442 to Rabona, and so I'll type in those letters and pull out everything there and learn as much as I can. Usually, it's me for the first week or two doing all the research about the stories, whereas Martina will be contacting ultras and clubs and speaking to people he knows and then from there it's like a slow process often it'll involve finding the right fixer mm-hmm. and that fixer will be going out we've got a guy in in Spain so we've done six in Spain together so like that guy's often Diego Diego Crespo shout out what should, did he have a show? Crespa Crespacion and, um, and all Real, Real Oviedo culture, culture fans. fans so like he's like a <laughs> you, you talk about people who aren't seen behind the camera that guy especially for Spain they aren't what they are without him. I mean, he came on to help us in Madrid last minute because we were out of our depth because it was the first time me and him were in charge mm-hmm. and it took two days to realise we are fucked here. Yeah. And he comes in and within 48 hours I'm on his shoulders at a, in a riot on his just filming. Like <laughs> the, the guy did it for free that episode, I think, as well. And then um, from there, like, he became a thing. So it's, it's about finding the people. That's the most important thing, actually, yeah. I'd say. Because you can have them, I can know everything, but if people are boring or people don't pop or they don't show those emotions, it's just pointless. Who's the guy, uh, the Berlin football history expert? Uh, Jacob yeah. Sweetman. So he's he the guy who stood in front of the, the fountain. Or yeah, yeah. Yeah. That guy was amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. So I've never heard of that guy before, but I mean, I wanted to watch an hour of him telling me why. Do you know but what I mean? mean like full interviews, two and a half hours right. long. Yeah. In case yeah. you, no, no, <laughs> you so, so, <laughs> throw it up on the pod. Right? Oh, yeah. He, the guy was amazing. If you watch The Sun, because we filmed at 11, huh? The Sun, we had to take a stop because the sun was... When I went in the middle, it went right down on him, and then we had right. to wait for it to come down again. So, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. that was a whole day because I was in the middle of winter, so we only had like what six hours, no, five hours another day. Right. We got, yeah. We'd gotten to Berlin when the time changed, so we lost an hour of runway. Oh, that's right. No, basically, though, like Jacob was found by Tino three weeks before, right? And then Jacob. What does he do? Is so I met Jacob following, I mean, this is through following like weird super niche football culture. He started a magazine called No Dice, which was an English speaking magazine about football culture in Berlin exclusively, <laughs> which was like amazing. And it's three year run, but mm. f- interesting for me and you and maybe 3% of the TIFO football audience. Sure. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, and then I met him. I don't know. I've been reading his his blogs. He's written a bunch of really interesting articles. Right. Featured on when Saturday comes, I think at some point. Yeah, he was um, great. He was great, then, man. I thought he was super intense. Yeah, he's great. But like again, that only comes because Tino knew him right. through going to low league <laughs> football back in five years ago and things mm. like that and having his trust having seen stuff earlier Tobias should have seen have you seen the Italian episode of Derby Days uh, well the most recent one yeah. I watched the first 10 minutes yeah, and then so you the guy in the leather jacket I mean he's just done a book on ultras and he wouldn't say yes to anyone but he's, right. he came from Parma, Parma to just do this interview because of his connection with it and it's these, I think like now we've built up enough of kind of a base of respect from respected journalists themselves who are like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm part of something legitimate here. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think it's a case of finding great interviews, contacts, fixes, and just, it's getting easier because of what we've built up now, but that also makes it harder because you want to top each one. Yeah. You can't just do a half-assed one anymore. Yeah. And that again comes back to the, sometimes you've got to be an asshole because you've got to make sure that you've got a responsibility now. You don't, People like dedicate... How often are people giving an hour away to a YouTube channel these days? Not yeah. often. Our, short, our attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. Or if they do, they're doing it 20 different videos 20, in the hour, right? Yeah, exactly. So therefore, like, we owe it to you. Like, if you're going to trust us. And also, these things aren't cheap. It costs a couple of money, a lot of money to make these. And Can I they, ask you how much money it costs you? A bit. It's, it's a bit. It's a lot. Yeah. Like, it's not a lot. Like, it's... I, I don't know. How much do you think it's worth that uh, they cost? I have no idea. I mean, uh, presumably it's including your flights and your accommodation and stuff. And are you renting yeah. the gear? No, no, we've got our own no, gear. No, you will have the own gear. It's probably not a huge, huge amount, right? How long are you there for? Like with the Berlin one, how, how long were you there? 10 days. Okay. And then we return for two days. you got to think what freelancers. Are that? <laughs> freelancers. It, 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 it's a bit. It, it, it go, it's about 10 grand. Yeah. Uh, an episode and that you know there's no pro- there's absolutely that's what I said to everyone as well everyone's like oh, you, there's no profit that's 10,000 pounds loss like yeah. there's no brands connected to it you're not making that it, back yeah. that even, no even, even if what, it's, what I think how many million people would have to watch an episode to make 10 grand off of no, no 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 if a million people watch I'm saying how many million would have oh, to watch it to get 10 grand back maybe 100 million maybe more it, 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 people think that there's money in in Five YouTube views, there's, there's no, 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 no yeah. way less than that. And we have a good rate. No, no, we don't make money off views. Views don't make money, but you build a respect and a reputation and you can get, work with other stuff. We consult with clubs and help out. But the point is like, yeah. and I reckon if you had six million, no, you I might make that back. Six between maybe, six to seven million. You make I don't, that back. No, I don't think so. Particularly the length, you, you get those unskippable ads in the middle there, Ellie. But we don't put ads. Got, I know, in I'm, the middle, I'm, so. just, I'm just teasing. Well, well, Cobb and I also appreciate and respect the the the, the the kind of they've never kind of asked us to brand anything or put anything. It's always been like mm. because they understand that we're working with supporters who don't want that to be part of things that are branded. Uh, at times, especially something like about their rivalry. So we respect yeah. that. We, we make no profit. We make pure loss from that. But it's because we're doing something for the culture. We're celebrating the culture. What do you guys do between episodes of Derby Days? I mean, presumably that's what you're best known for at Copa 90. What are you doing in between seasons? What else so are you working much. on? Well, he's got his schedule, the price of, you've seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the price of is the thing. I mean, I do, obviously, I curate Copa 90 stories. Mm-hmm. So um, working on all the other story ideas that kind of go up on there, finding the showcases that work. Um, and then sort of helping the guys fixing whatever new big projects we have coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so there's some kind of interesting, more longer form stuff in the pipeline. Oh, cool. Okay. Very much in development. Yeah. Great. What about you? Well, there's never really like a normal day in the office. Like right now I'm working on a new idea for a new series. Cool. Which is the idea of someone else. 
before that, I mean, I went to the US for kind of a brand USA tourism video with two other people. Before that, I did. A, I was in New York for um, a Derby thing, which was different. It was like a branded thing, but. No, sure, mean, one yeah. thing one thing that's really fun with Club 90 stories that I would be very keen to plug to the TFO football audience is the creator commissions and the minis. Yeah. So yeah. We what have, are they? Um, so we have these these micro budgets um, to make kind of little stories. Particularly, the creator commissions are one thousand pound budgets. If you just go to Copa right. 90 slash creator commissions, um, so it can apply. be twenty five percent as good as Ellie's original video. Right? So the, the well, I mean, it's 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 the first foray, and obviously, you're not expected <laughs> to make an hour long piece of content in a foreign country sure. with four camera but operators. Like, it's not it's about something local to your space, um, but it's it's about it's about what that does to kind of build people and like find these new creators. I mean, we talked about you know someone like Diego Crespo, who we mentioned, or Karim. In, in, in the case of Berlin or um, Pepe in the case of Argentina, right? There are these characters that end up being, or Santi, right? Who end up being so important, so formative to what we do and how we can do those Derby days. But there's also the question of like, how do you continue working with that person? Or clearly that person has expressed an ambition into working in football media, so what can you do? Yeah. So, so many of those commissions have come from those people. Right. Uh, you know, um, and so it's, it's, it's the space to apply and make these creative commissions from... Santi, who was one of our fixers in in Argentina, doing something about Juan Sebastián Biron, to uh, Diego doing something about a photographer at Feyenoord. Um, There's a guy called Adrian from Canada. He went up north to the indigenous community, the Induits, did a thing on football and depression and how it's helping people. That's yeah. gotten so popular now that that's out already. I've seen that. Yeah, one, yeah, right? it's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, he was a creator. Emailed one of us with a story <laughs> idea. Da, da da He'd already auditioned for stuff in the past, and that's done so well. Now he is. He is the main videographer for the CPL, uh, the New Canadian League. He did right. all their awards. Mm. It's a big deal. He's yeah. he's big. He's doing some big things. The Canadian Soccer, soccer Federation. Yeah, they've led him. to some really cool things for people. So we found Maher, some amazing Maher people. Mahar in Algeria just won yeah. uh, an award for reporting, um, and then the the one that Danny Sayers worked on on um, being a gay footballer also won an award here locally in, in the yeah. UK. So it's 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 really trying to move also in in empowering other people to get to do kind of this this dream experience that Ellie and I get to do week in week out so people can apply for that 100% where do they go it's copa90.com slash creator commissions okay um, and just come apply I mean it's the best way you guys to form these relationships and get people moving and get us going to these different locations or building out these stories like mm. Very rarely do we just go and work with someone. It's it's little steps that come through a mini doc here, a little piece of social content there, a creator commission here, and and, and these relationships kind of build and and they become kind of fruitful ways that someone has a platform to then go tell interesting football stories and occasionally yeah. have a way with working with Copa ninety and Copa ninety gets to present a much more kind of much greater depth and breadth of of content around the world. Great. Hey, one last question. Uh, if there was no, you know, if money was no object mm. and you had as much time as you wanted to, um, what would you make? I'd make a feature film, but not about football. <laughs> right, okay, fair enough. Have you got your Just ideas already? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I got into film, I'm a film student, so like right. football's not my only kind of love and passion. Are you, are you writing? Am I writing? No, no, no. I will, once I, um, in the future. You want to be a director? Yeah, 100%. I am a director. but No, I mean, but in feature films. Uh, feature films, yeah, I'd love to. No, no, if I could make any documentary, the one I've been saying to everyone right now, the story I'm fascinated by is Canada. I'd love to follow Canada over the next qualifying series and just right. like it's the most bizarre nation that is just so abysmal that they can't even make the final round of qualifying. <laughs> and then the World Cup, 
Mm. It's a rich multicultural country with three successful MLS clubs, a huge women's team, a huge football audience. Yeah. And they are literally, Alfonso Davies are buying and literally they are, they can't even make it to the final stage. Not the, not the, well, I was on another podcast, but I'd love to follow Canada for four, for the next two years as they try and qualify yeah. and just like document what is going on in this bizarre place. Also Canada's great, right? So the yeah, next two years great. would be fantastic. Yeah. And if not that, I would probably do, I've always wanted to do San Antonio and Leon derby days, but that's like, I want to mm. do it when it's perfect. I want to do it when it's uh, the French Cup final right. where it decides a league or a relegation. When, that is, right. when, right. it, when it's like... Yeah, relegation, Champions League spot at least, yeah, but even that is Something like, like it has, when both teams can go, because obviously away fans are banned in France because of the draconian laws against fans over there. Um, all the money in the world, I would... See if I could attend 365 football matches in 365 days in every country. On okay, Earth. crikey, would be really that's a lot of work, ones. man. <laughs> that's Another that's one I would really want to do is the Great Russian Away Day. So one of the league matches between like Kaliningrad and Vladivostok in right. the second division, and do the great like two week away day on like the <laughs> local Russian regional trains. Right. I still okay. have a lot of nostalgia for my time at the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I thought I suppose those are two of the big ones. Um, in terms of derbies that I would look at really wanting to do, Peñarol Nacional is the one that, yeah. to me, is the big one. I you mean, away for a couple if, of you, if you look at just the origin of why we call supporter incha, it's because this little old man on Nacional in the early 1900s was the guy blowing up the balls, and his passion was so great that he inchador became the guy who actually celebrates football like you can get to the origin and basis of why people got excited and fans started going to the stadium referencing Eduardo Galeano it's pretty exciting get out of town guys It'd be amazing I think that's a lot of the, the ideas we originally came up with mine was telling stories with yours were experiences I think that's a lot about yeah. why the combination yeah. works so well he's like he wants to go to Russia away there's I'm like, nah, I'm happy to tell the story. But someone, it's already happened. I'm, I'm too old for that shit. He's like, no, nah, let's get on the train with them. I'm like, yeah, let's talk about, about them. that moment. And someone else film it. And where's the nearest past the show ice cream store? <laughs> hey, well, that's, uh, that's um, a full circle right there, back to the ice cream store. Yeah. Uh, Eddie and Martina, thanks so much for coming in, guys. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Joe. Pleasure. Keep doing what you're doing. doing. I've been enjoying Amazing, amazing stuff, stuff, by the way. Hey, thanks. It's uh, um, seminal resource lovely yeah, definitely. thanks very much well uh, hopefully we'll have you guys back in the future and yeah, um, pleasure. cheers see you again soon thanks man organic we know that when we take care of the earth the earth also takes care of us you'd be surprised by our environmentally friendly way of baking breads our ingredients are farmed per strict usda organic standards that make the soil richer and promote biodiversity our bakeries are powered by renewable wind energy and we donate one percent of our revenues to environmental causes as members of one percent for the planet so that future generations can flourish too arnold organic bread great taste that's sustainably baked